Our work in Venezuela has involved not only supplying people with food, but also empowering people to become entrepreneurs and business owners. Her name is Neluz Aluar. She lives with her children in Venezuela. She is a baker whose skills in the kitchen provide both food for her children and income for her household. But while her ability to make delicious pastries gives her employment and income, it has not always been enough. But a woman like Neluz did not need to be saved. She just needed a little support to get her a step ahead, but she managed to do the rest. As we do in many communities, Adra brought food packages to Neluz and her children after we had assessed their need. But Neluz brought an eye for innovation, noticing that the bags that the food arrived in could be turned into funnels for icing and that cans that held tuna could be used to shape cupcakes, she got around to improvising and repurposing the donated goods. What other people would have disposed of as useless garbage or extra packaging, Nelu saw as crucial kitchenware. She had just discovered new resources for her business and saved on what would have otherwise been overhead expenses for her. The money she both saved and earned from that choice ultimately went toward medicine and school supplies for her children. Neluz is just one example of how truly remarkable people can be and how even just a little bit of help can go a long way. She is the embodiment of why it's so important for Adra's humanitarian work to focus on empowering people to help themselves. Adra Canada's director, Steve Matthews, puts it this way. The most important thing in stories like hers is that she is the one who is lifting herself and her family out of poverty. It is not a self-styled Western savior who makes the most difference, but rather Nelu's herself. It was her own sense of innovation and a few simple gifts that gave her the chance to get ahead. This model applies across all of Adra's work. In our last episode, we mentioned the enormous number of Venezuelans fleeing their country in hope of a better economic future. But the journey of migration is exceptionally dangerous and high risk. And for many people, attempting to make such a journey just isn't an option. For people who stay in Venezuela then, the question is how to make a living in a nation whose economic situation has been so dire for so long. Through the partnership with Adra Venezuela, Adra Canada works to make life more livable for families who remain in their home country. One of the ways that we help is by ensuring economic opportunity, which was our theme for the month of January in our ongoing Year of Justice. One concern that people have about NGOs and other charitable organizations is that giving people food, money, or other resources and support will simply create expectations and dependency, disrupting local economies and ways of life. These concerns are understandable. I have them myself. And they are factors that we at ADRA have to keep in mind wherever we work. Thankfully, our programming takes a broad perspective and centers on sustainable development goals. We are not interested in doing drive-by charity. Instead, all ADRA programming seeks to develop and maintain opportunities for individuals, families, and communities to support themselves. 
So let's take a look at how ADRA's work to create economic opportunities plays a real part in creating a just world. I'm Teresa Ferreira, and this is the ADRA Insider Podcast by ADRA Canada. In the fall of 2022, ADRA Canada's director, Steve Matthews, traveled to Kenya to visit some of our project sites there. And during his trip, he met with a woman named Susan, a widowed mother supporting two children and two grandchildren. She had been struggling through the compounding troubles brought on by climate change, drought, and COVID-19. Once each month, Susan would receive a cash transfer from the ADRA office here in Kenya, direct to her phone, she could then take her phone to the market and purchase food for herself and her grandchildren using her phone much like we might use Apple Pay in Canada. However, funds for these kinds of emergency relief projects are not without limits and the appeals that we get at our office for assistance to meet the demands of the current global hunger crisis are staggering. The cash transfer project in Susan's village ended about five months ago and she has returned to making these brooms to try and make a little money to feed her grandchildren and children. When I asked her how much she is able to make from her broom making, she says that she makes about 250 brooms a month, for which she receives around 1,000 Kenya shillings. But when we do the currency conversion, we discover that that works out to about 11 Canadian dollars per month. Being in this position was certainly difficult for Susan. In fact, countless people across East Africa find themselves in similarly difficult circumstances. For several years, increasingly terrible drought conditions have caused crops to fail, riverbeds to dry up, and cattle to starve. Not only does this mean that food has become more and more scarce, but it also means that the local economy has taken a hit, with fewer products being produced and exchanged locally. In this situation, and others like it, ADRA implements projects that help individuals, families, and communities make money. Because we always try to take a holistic approach, these economic solutions often overlap with other concerns, like food security. So, what do these programs look like? To start, ADRA is big on the concept of kitchen gardens, or other similar forms of small-scale domestic agriculture. Families can grow a surprising amount of vegetable produce inside of their own homes, and in places like rural communities in rural Kenya, these kitchen gardens sometimes blur the lines between being inside and outside. This process results in two things. Number one, families are often able to grow enough food to provide for their own meals on a regular basis. And number two, these home gardens often grow more than the family needs, so they end up taking the surplus to be sold in the marketplace. This was the case for Peter Loronai Gogong. Living in the Turkana County of northern Kenya, Peter had three wives and 17 children to take care of. In better times, his pastoralist lifestyle provided enough for them to live. Their diet and livelihood revolved around animal products like meat and milk. But when incessant drought ravaged the landscape and a group of bandits unexpectedly chased away the surviving cattle, the situation became desperate. 
In such situations, families are often forced to turn to the government for admittedly limited assistance while also relying on the generosity of neighbors and friends and reducing their own meals. This choice to simply eat less can have very negative effects, especially on the development of children. It is certainly not sustainable. But after participating in ADRA's programs, Peter is not only feeding his very large family with the food he grows, but he's also earning money by selling the surplus. This kind of lifestyle shift to agriculture is very significant for a community that has long been primarily pastoralist. The concept of growing vegetables is not necessarily intuitive or commonplace in local cultures where meat and dairy are the primary and traditional diet. But receiving the right training and resources, in this case, drought-resistant seeds, is the first step in giving people the ability to lift themselves up and restore their livelihoods. This same principle works in different applications. During the Christmas season, ADRA sends out a gift catalog to our donors. With a small donation, ADRA supporters can supply a family with a school of live fishlings, or with a goat, or of course the resources needed for a home garden. The gift of fish or a goat provides the family with animal-based products that they can sell. And again, it's the same principle as the kitchen gardens, just a different application. Similar garden projects have also been implemented in the Philippines. In one case, a garden was implemented in a local school. While fulfilling the task of providing food for the children and creating revenue for the institution, the school vegetable garden further served as a kind of science lab where kids could put lessons they learned about plants in science class into practical application. Another recent example still involves our Filipino friends but takes place closer to home. The Edmonton Filipino Seventh-day Adventist Church recently helped construct wicking beds for the Paul First Nation, an indigenous community in their area. These wicking beds are a unique gardening tool. Using a sort of raised platform, the wicking bed takes advantage of moisture that is evaporating from underground, which otherwise would end up back in the atmosphere. Instead, this device traps the moisture inside and feeds it directly into the garden soil. This means that regardless of weather, these gardens can be almost entirely self-watering and can sustain food growth with minimal work required from their owners. This means large amounts of vegetables and fruits can be grown both for consumption and for sale. Having low effort gardening means an easier way to get a sellable surplus. In a similar vein, Mongolia has been the site of our safe and safer projects. These names stand for Sustainable Agriculture Food Economics Resilience. Project participants in Bayan Ulgai, Mongolia become parts of business cooperatives that specialize in sustainable climate-sensitive agriculture and food production practices. The project aims to give people year-round livelihood options, improve nutrition in culturally relevant ways, and to create business and work opportunities in their crop fields and greenhouses. Another way that ADRA ensures that people have economic opportunities is by creating opportunities for education and training. We have an upcoming episode all about our work in promoting education, especially for children. So here we will just focus on the vocational and personal training programs and classes that are available for adults. One example comes from the Bright Project in Niger. 
BRIGHT stands for Breaking Barriers, Improving Girls' Education, Hope, and Totality. One option made available for adults through this project is a vocational training program. Many women join this program to receive training as seamstresses. There are also opportunities for men to learn how to work as mechanics. We even have a story of one daring woman who defied stereotypes and expectations by pursuing the mechanics training, but that will have to wait for another episode. In any case, vocational training gives these adults the opportunity in the trades that they otherwise wouldn't have the skills for. It's another crucial dimension of ensuring that people have economic opportunities well beyond the moment that ADRA picks up and leaves the area. But training for more personal development is also important. ADRA offers things like classes on assertive communication, introducing marginalized people to the concept of their inherent human rights, and other programs that help people internalize a sense of self-worth and empowerment. Hey everybody, it's Max here. Let me give Teresa a break from this very, very long script. I'm going to tell you a story about a man in Venezuela named Marcos Peinado. He was struggling in more than one way. In the midst of the nation's financial hardships, Marcos had moved to the southern part of the country to work in a mine. Unfortunately, he sustained an injury, a fracture in his right foot, which prevented him from working. With most of his pay going towards the very little amount of medicine he could afford, the family often went hungry. As much as he wanted to work more to provide for them, he spent more time away from work, suffering from the pain and swelling in his injured foot, as well as from malaria. Marcos's home life was also troubled. He and his wife, Norelvis, often found themselves in bitter arguments in front of their children. When out with his family in public, Marcos presented himself in a shabby, disheveled way. It wasn't until the Peinado couple received assistance and training from Adra that they began to turn things around. Yes, they received help meeting their material needs for food, funds, and medicine, but the training in assertive communication helped Marcos and Norelvis to communicate in more constructive, caring ways. Norelvis especially noted a change in Marcos. He now took initiative in making sure to have healthy communication and problem-solving with her. This change was rooted in Marcos's newfound self-respect and self-esteem. Even though they hadn't become dramatically rich by any means, Marcos began to dress more presentably and carry himself with dignity in public. His wife was no longer embarrassed by his public persona and received remarks from friends who said they hardly recognized this new Marcos. What's more, Marcos had found a new work opportunity. The family had started a new business, and Marcos had a very important and broadly needed item to sell in the marketplace, children's undergarments. But the one thing holding him back from really getting started with this new business venture was, frankly, his sense of personal embarrassment about carrying that merchandise around in public. Taking a phrase he had heard during training sessions by Adra in entrepreneurship, motivation, and self-improvement, Marcos pushed himself forward with this simple but powerful new motto. I can do it. I think this story illustrates that supporting people's mental health is a part of creating economic opportunities and therefore part of creating a just world. 
helping a struggling man to respect and believe in himself led to major changes in his family and positive effects in his broader community. Ultimately, it led to economic opportunity for those who had run up against countless obstacles. Again, ADRA's philosophy involves approaching issues holistically. We recognize that individuals and communities are complex and multifaceted. By responding in kind, we help these people. We help them make real, lasting changes. A final example of how we ensure economic opportunities for our project participants is a fascinating one. In communities with limited or no access to traditional banks, we implement savings and loans groups. ADRA's direct cash assistance can't go on forever, but the thing that does have continuity is the community. With multiple people in a given area making money, it just makes sense for a group to come together pool resources and save funds for future emergencies, or even to help a neighbor get started on a business venture. The loan, rather than coming from a bank with a distant, impersonal connection to the individual, is taken from and paid back within an individual's own community. By making the community members the foundation of these savings and loans groups, the community then ensures that their own growth and success in business ultimately comes back to preserve and sustain everyone around them. This process was implemented in Mozambique to help people adapt and rebuild their livelihoods after a devastating cyclone. One project participant in the Philippines, a man named Winifredo, describes his experience like this. We have no bank here in our village, but with the group that ADRA has started in Balsa, we now feel as though we have a miniature bank here. If we have a need or an emergency, we want a little startup cash for a small business to run from home, we can easily apply for a loan. In our group, we have a set service charge of 5% per month for those who take a loan. This is high, but as members of the group, we also directly benefit from the service fees in the payout every six months. So in many ways, it works out pretty well for everyone to have this address savings and loans group in our village. All of this brings us back to Kenya and our dear friend Susan from earlier in the episode. Let's backtrack just a little bit. As you'll recall that Susan was receiving direct cash assistance from ADRA for a while, but that these payments eventually came to an end. If handing out money was the only thing ADRA was doing, then eventually stopping those payments and leaving would essentially put someone like Susan right back where she started. But instead, this is what happened. During the time when Susan was receiving her cash transfers from ADRA, she was invited to join a savings and loans group. This was totally new for her. Like almost 2 billion people, Susan had never had a bank account. Getting a loan from a bank was not possible as she had nothing to provide as capital. Now, through her group, she was not only saving, but had the new ability to get a short-term loan to start a small business. She decided to buy and sell charcoal. She buys a large bag and breaks it down into smaller quantities and sells the small bundles for a profit. After getting started with her venture, selling charcoal, Susan decided to start a second business, this time revolving around farming chickens. And this is where the various pieces start to come together. You're going to see the whole picture. 
Not only was Susan able to buy four hens with the money she got from the Savings and Loans Group, but she also received training from ADRA on how to take care of these animals. Given the timeline of Steve's visit to Kenya, Susan's chickens will either be laying their first batch of eggs soon or may already have started. Susan can now turn a profit from both her sale of charcoal and eggs. This is what the full picture looks like, dear friends. You see, we provide the bare bones resources of cash assistance to members of a community. Then, that community on its own establishes a way to pool and grow their finances together and to make business ventures. Then the community members try out business ideas using skills they've learned from ADRA training. And in the same spirit of our kitchen gardens, project participants begin to generate wealth for themselves and their neighbors right in the comfort of their own homes. So there you have it. An inside look at how ADRA creates and ensures economic opportunities for our project participants around the world. These stories are so vitally important because they illustrate how the humanitarian world is not just a drive-by type of operation. Our work and your work as a supporter is to put life back into the hands of the people living it. That's all for this time, but stay tuned February promises to be a significant month for this show. The highlight this month for our Year of Justice is equality. We will be telling you stories from our work in the African diaspora and the ways that we especially have focused on the importance of empowering Black women in our various projects. So one episode in February will be dedicated to themes of gender and racial equality. The other episode will cover a stark and sobering anniversary. February of 2023 will mark one year since the invasion of Ukraine began. We will tell stories, stories of survivors, workers, volunteers, and others who have been involved in ADRA's work for the Ukrainian people. We have so many exciting stories to share. You can support us by donating directly to ADRA Canada, as well as by telling your friends, family, and social network about this podcast through word of mouth or via social media. And as always, our mission at ADRA is to serve humanity that all may live as God intended. This is your host, Teresa Ferreira, signing off. Be blessed all and go forth and serve. <laughs>